we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. So glad to be with you today. Hey, not only do we stream, or rather, not only do we broadcast, to use proper terminology, the show on our 181 FM radio stations across the country and over 30 states, we also stream the audio on the internet. So if you somehow, or for some reason, do not live within one of our FM radio towers, or if you do not, or if you do, but you travel and you leave that signal area, well, you can always pick us up on the World Wide Web. As long as you have access to internet, you can get American Family Radio two two ways, two main ways. The website, AFR.net, AFR.net, the website or the American Family Radio app. Um, those two ways you can get the show, AFA at the Core, and all American Family Radio broadcast there on the Internet. I've got some good news. As of about uh, probably five minutes ago, Bobby, you know, we've just been having issues with our app. We pushed an update last week, and uh, people who've been operating some Apple devices have been having some issues, but... Bobby, I just heard from our IT department that they think they've got the issue fixed. Survey said? I think the issue's fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Do they know what it was? Uh, yeah, it's a, wow. The way we found the issue is we had to read some forums, some Apple development forums, and um, <laughs> be believe it or not, you talk about technology, some of this stuff is crazy, but the person that we had on our team developing the app for Apple, he had to reboot and reinstall Apple's software onto his computer and then completely redownload re the software that he used to build the app in. So two different, two different complete reboots and reinstalls of all the software. Yeah. And that apparently fixes the issue. So it takes a while though. Yeah, yeah, hours, Not and an easy uh, process. and we wouldn't have found this issue, or we wouldn't have found the solution rather, had we not been able to read some forums online of other developers who had the same issue. Yeah, um, even Apple was like, we don't know what's going on here. So yeah. uh, it's an it's an Apple wide issue. Yep, I know of a, an IT engineer back in the day. He um, uh, this was conveyed to me by his brother of all people. Um. He used to take all of his uh, software, not so much in apps. Uh, apps weren't really a thing at the time, but he used to take all of his software uh, and basically purge it every year and just mm. renew it. And yeah, he never had any issues. So I can understand why that can definitely be a, a bug problem. Yeah. So uh, for those of you out there that have been frustrated about our AFR app not working, um, we believe we have resolved the issue. We're going to push an update probably this afternoon or tomorrow. Um, to your mobile devices that should uh, should resolve all of those issues there. But we Droid users are still in good shape, right? You know, I wasn't going to go down that path, Bobby. <laughs> but, 
But if we want to pull the whole, you know, I held off yesterday. Android versus Apple, you know, we can have that discussion. You know, ironically, I'm actually a hybrid user. I've got a Windows computer. I had a MacBook Air for the longest, and boy, did I run into issues. You know, it would always grind on me, and I'm like, man, I'm all I'm wanting to do is open my browser window, and it's mm. grinding on me. And these were brand new computers, right? Um, so I don't know what the issue was. Some people love Apple. Uh, so I have a Windows computer, and it works like a champ. I mean, I can have about 20 programs run at the same yeah. time, and it has no problem. Uh, but I'm still got my iPhone over here Understand. on the table. So one day I'll convert. Yeah, I was a PC born and bred guy, and I just it, it all depends on how you grow up in technology, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a Windows phone or or an Android rather uh, at some point. But I just got to bring myself to it. I got too much going on in my life right now. To be swapping yeah, out I'd phones. hold off on that for yeah. a little while. <laughs> <laughs> we all need something we're familiar with. Hey, speaking of something we're familiar with, let's go to Scripture. Uh, let's go to Psalm chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. And we're talking here in this chapter, the author is rather, and we're reading um, about the way of the righteous man. And the author here wraps up the chapter because he uses the word therefore, which typically means the author is about to wrap up his thoughts is inspiration. In verse 5 of chapter 1 of Psalms, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Um, so so as I've mentioned the past few days, here in, uh, in Psalm 1, verse 5 and 6, the author is writing about this final separation, this final judgment. Um, and if you jump over to Ecclesiastes, which is one of the reference verses for this, and isn't it amazing how God's Word complements uh, uh, the writers, the inspired writers by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, God's Word, these writers complement each other. And they, they wrote much of this like thousands of years apart, some of it hundreds of years apart, but nonetheless, um, the writers here, both New Testament and Old Testament, complement each other. So how does that happen? Well, it's because God's Word is divinely inspired. That's how it happens right there. Uh, but if you move over to the New Testament and you're in the book of, uh, I'm sorry, this is still the Old Testament. Um, but nonetheless, another part of the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes. Uh, you go over to Ecclesiastes, which comes after the book of Psalms, and if you're in verse 14 of chapter 12 here, uh, the writer says that for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Um, so all of all of earth, all of humanity, uh, will have their deeds exposed before the throne room of God, before the judgment seat of God, rather. Um, and so that that is... That is intimidating, but yet humbling at the same time. Uh, so if, if we think that we're going to hide things from God, you can't hide anything from God. He is omnipresent. He's all-knowing. Um, and all of our deeds, both good and evil, will be revealed at the final judgment. So that's something that we need to be mindful of. You know, I would say that's something we need to be fearful of, and maybe that is the case for some of us. Uh, but it's also something to look forward to. You know, all those uh, good deeds that you've done in the name of Christ uh, because you're trying to 
uh, not earn your way into heaven because you, we know you can't do that. Uh, but you're, you're doing good deeds to honor our Father in heaven, which he does call us to do. Um, there's parts of Scripture that talk about how, how uh, they will know us by our works, by our deeds. Uh, so, so deeds are important. We cannot forget that. Um, a, lot of, a lot of preachers want to harp on, you know, uh, saved by grace through faith, not by our own works. And that's true. But once you're a believer, once you have faith in Jesus Christ, our deeds matter. Uh, so we don't need to throw to the side the importance of good deeds. Our deeds do matter, and oftentimes they can be a reflection to the world of our faith in Jesus Christ. So don't forget your deeds, and all of this will be revealed, will be uh, brought about at the final judgment. Moving into some of the stories for today, hey, next segment we're going to have on Kirby Anderson with Probe Ministry. He also is the host of Point of View uh, radio that you can hear on American Family Radio at certain times in certain areas. But Kirby Anderson is going to be on with us to talk about some of the surveys they've been running uh, about how people view Christianity, how people view key doctrines. So we'll talk to him next segment on that topic. You know, uh, one of the key issues at American Family Association that we talk about and that we care about is uh, God's design for human sexuality. And this has been a key issue in America and around the world. I mean, you you look at um, some of the early days of Scripture, or the early days of creation and man's sin nature. Uh, man has always had this tendency to stray from God's design for human sexuality. Well, one of the ways that the world has been doing such is through what has been called the transgender movement. Uh, this, 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 this wicked movement of, of, of people who uh, think that they can pick their own sex. They think that they can pick the sex and, 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 and change their sex whenever they want and just go back and forth and basically be their own, uh, be their own little G-God. And we know that's not true. We know that's not how God created us. God created us either male and female. This goes all the way back to the beginning. Uh, this University of Pennsylvania swimmer has been making headlines because he, yes, he, a biological male, someone that was born a male, God designed him, God created him a male, um, he, he decided that he would begin uh, acting like he's a female and swimming in women's on the women's swim team. And in this article I'm reading, I'm gonna have to look up his uh, his true name because I'm not I'm not gonna call him uh, by his fake name. so so I'll be looking up his real name uh, before we you know the media they they, they don't use the real name. Uh, the media, and that they're sold to this agenda. Um, it's actually hard to find his real name, but we'll we'll dig that up. Nonetheless, the last name is the same. His name is Thomas. And uh, here's what one of his teammates had to say about the experience. One of the real women, quite literally, uh, that are swimming on this dude's team had to say about this. This is from Breitbart.com. The claim came from a second female swimmer who recently spoke to OutKick. This is a 
media outlet. The woman, <laughs> the real woman, told the site that Thomas, the dude that's swimming on their women's team, who competed on the male sw- swim team for three years before turning up as a fake female or transgender woman, joked about how easy it was to beat all the women at swim meets. So not only is this dude acting like he's a woman, swimming with the real woman, but he's beating them, and then he's bragging about it. He's quoted as saying after one meet, quote, that was so easy, I was cruising, end quote. Uh, The dude went on to say, uh, quote, at least I'm still number one in the country, end quote. Uh, The University of Pennsylvania swimmer also said that uh, coaches and university flacks told the girls, the real girls, that they are strongly advised not to talk about Thomas outside the school. Huh. Like they're censoring them or something. Outkick, this media outlet, initially reported that a swimmer who needed to stay anonymous to avoid having her life ruined by the work mob said that Thomas's teammates were very unhappy about Thomas smashing female records all over the place. And now this second swimmer is substantiating the claim that the other swimmers are not pleased with the situation. Well, you know what? If I, if, if that was my daughter swimming uh, on this university swim team and some dude who doesn't have his head on right wanted to come take all of her medals because he just feels like a girl one day, you know, I'd be pretty upset too. I'd be pretty frustrated as well. But you know, the problem here is that many people embrace this. Many people embrace, I mean, for example, the university. The University of Pennsylvania said, sure, you think you're a girl? Come swim with the, with the real women. That's the problem here, all right? Because you can have people who don't have their head on right. You can have people who are suffering from gender dysphoria, which is a serious mental illness. But what the problem, the major overarching problem here is that we have major institutions embracing the insanity. There needs to be a firewall of sanity in our nation. People that say no... You're a man. You're going to swim with the man. We'll be back in a few minutes. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Have you ever seen one of those track and field events where the runner starts out in blazing fashion, leading the pack for the majority of the race, only to stumble just before reaching the finish line? Starting the race well and running well are vitally important, but if we don't finish the race well, all else can be overthrown. The Apostle Paul penned those words, having fought the good fight, right on to the end as he faced imminent execution under Nero's sword. Let us all, brothers and sisters, set our courses to finish well. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. God designed each person with tender, loving care. But a recent Barna study found that 7 out of 10 teens believe it's acceptable to be born one gender and feel like another. Scripture tells us time and again that God created us with meaning and without mistake. In Jeremiah, we learn that God knew each of us before we were conceived in our mother's womb. In the Psalms, we're reminded that before we even speak, God knows the words on our tongues. In Galatians, we're affirmed that each of us was set apart for God's glory. This concept of gender fluidity isn't something we can ignore. Affirm your girl that real self-love is acceptance that God has masterfully created her in this body, in this time, for a purpose. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. In this season of giving, you can be the answer to their prayer today. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and since Labor Day, we've been working toward a goal of putting God's Word into the hands and hearts of 16,000 Bibleist believers around the world. Here's a few that are praying for a Bible. Ahmed is a former Muslim beaten by extremists when he came to faith in Christ. He's praying for a Bible. Miriam is a widowed mother of three in Mozambique, Africa. Very sadly, her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime, but she's praying for a Bible. Carla was a follower of Pagan practices in Venezuela. He's praying for a Bible now as a Christ follower. And then Washi and her husband are livestock farmers in China. They want to raise their children to know and love Jesus. They're praying for a Bible. Listen, to date, you've put 10,000 Bibles into the hands of Bibleist believers. We'd love to see another 6,000 by the end of the year. So please, at $5 a Bible, would you make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at sendbiblesnow.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Oh, come, oh, call me Manuel. And ransom captive Israel. The morning. AFA at the core here on American Family Radio. That is Shane and Shane, a, a talented, a talented group there. That I don't think, in my expert opinion on recording artists, especially amongst the Christian uh, audience, they just don't get enough credit. Shane and Shane, man, those guys really produce some excellent music, and all the lyrics, at least that I've listened to, are biblically based, sound theologically. Um, and that is Shane and Shane. That's actually a 2014 version. O come, O come, Emmanuel from Shane and Shane. So that's our worship Wednesday song. Hey, I want to welcome to the core Kirby Anderson, host of Point of View, and also uh, president of Probe Ministries. Hey, Kirby, welcome to the core. Walker, thank you so very much. It was great to be in studio with you a couple of months ago, and uh, it's great to join you now by phone. Yeah, we had you here in Tupelo, and I think I actually came on for a segment or two uh, with Point of View. Hey, uh, you guys uh, put together 
a uh, comprehensive study of some of these uh, uh, surveys that have been conducted by Pew and Barna, along with a couple other uh, organizations. But uh, one of them that really stood out to me that you guys put out uh, recently uh, was centered around this question uh, about the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. Uh, Tell our listeners, number one, kind of how the question was framed to these people who claim to be born-again believers, and then what the outcome was of this survey. Well, you know, back in 2010, we did a survey just of what we would call born-again millennials, those born after 1980. And we already started surfacing some questions about that, and we certainly, since we do evangelism, apologetics, and worldview, we began to notice that. So in 2020, we surveyed uh, more than 3,000 uh, Generation Y and Generation Z. Those would be millennials and those uh, that oftentimes are called the iGen generation. And we did this to look at all, so we were trying to see not only what's happening outside the church, but inside the church. But one of the questions was about this issue of pluralism. Because outside the church, you would imagine that most people would probably think, well, you know, you could be saved in a number of different ways. It's just not necessarily who you believe in or what you believe, just that you're faithful. But what we found is when you go inside the church, it doesn't get a whole lot better, because the question was, do you agree that Buddha, Muhammad, and Jesus are all valid ways to salvation. Now, you would have to say that outside the church, you might see why you get a majority of people, a very significant majority of people that hold to that idea, because that's pluralism. But interestingly enough, over 60% of young adults agreed with that, and a significant number of those inside the church did. So it uh, brings us back, Walker, to kind of some of the action items. We perhaps have assumed that everybody inside the church understands these issues, Mm. and the harsh reality is is that they may not. And so an application point is if you're a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or just a parent with your kids, recognize that we swim in this world today. It's in the social media, pluralism, that says, well, we shouldn't be very judgmental. Mm. We shouldn't make choices about those kinds of things. And so when you get almost uh, 35% that say, okay, maybe I think that's wrong, but a very high percentage of, uh, say, up to 55 to 65%, depending on whether you're talking about 20-somethings, 30-somethings, or 40-somethings, you recognize that we've got to come back to some basics. And one of those, since we were, of course, talking about Psalm 1, we need to drive people back to John 14, 6. That's where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Mm. Now, it might seem unfair. It might seem intolerant to uh, question whether or not people can be saved by Buddha and Muhammad, as well as Jesus. But those ideas that have been outside the Church for many years, have made their way inside the church. And so I think the first step step is to make sure that as a parent or as a pastor or a Sunday school teacher, you really bring about some clarification because we sort of have this pluralistic worldview that is just dominating uh, the younger generations in particular, but the culture generally, and that's why we need to think biblically about all these issues. Yeah, and you know, if I want to put it in context, Jesus probably said one of the most non-pluralistic quotes in all of humanity. When questioned on this, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Um, and and Kirby, I mean, this is just astonishing. It's if you ask the world, which this probably gets into people who claim to be believers but don't have proper doctrine. Uh, many of them who claim to be believers, when you when you really dig down deeper, they may not even actually be believers. I mean, if you, if you tell me that they, that you raise your hand and say I'm a Christian, but then you say that you can get to heaven through Buddha, then no, you're not a Christian. Uh, because you're, you're contradicting the very uh, claim that you just made. Well, and I think you raise a very good point, because what we find in these surveys is the fact that on the one hand, you will have these individuals, and we can follow them along, and they say that I believe that I'm saved by grace, by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's a good orthodox answer. A little bit later, when they ask, uh, ask a question about whether people can be saved in other ways, they go, yeah. And so you say, well, well, that doesn't make any sense. But one of the people that I interview, matter of fact, I interviewed him just yesterday, um, and I'm sure you have as well, is George Barna, and his most recent survey says yeah. that the most dominant worldview in America, certainly not a Christian worldview, but it's not necessarily a humanistic worldview either. It's what we could call a syncretistic worldview, and that is people, especially younger people, younger people in your church, and younger people out there in the culture, it's sort of a cut-and-paste worldview, or um, we might call it a buffet worldview or a cafeteria worldview. You know, as you go through the line, you grab a um, a salad and a main course and some vegetables and a dessert, and then you get to your uh, table and go, what did I just do to myself? It, it sounds like and what so all the other got, religions, the other, all the false religions have done to Christianity. <laughs> They've gone to the yes, Christianity so again, buffet line. Yeah, they're just saying, well, it take a little bit to hear, and so you have especially among those who are Generation Y and even more so Generation Z. The Generation Z are those after, who were born after 1996 that are the first digital natives. They've always been in a world where there was an iPhone or an iPad or something of that nature. And so as a result, they're very influenced by this idea of pluralism. And so you know, they pick up an idea maybe from church, they pick up an idea by listening to AFR, they pick up another idea by listening to CBS, they're picking up another idea from maybe hearing Oprah Winfrey say something, and they come up with this completely contradictory worldview. Mm-hmm. And I think the first issue is, like I said, take them back to John fourteen six, but also take them back to a belief that the Bible is God's Word, because when we ask other questions about whether they believe the Bible is true, whether they believe the Bible is scientifically accurate, do they maybe believe that there is a bias uh, against, as you just talked about a few minutes ago, transgenderism or homosexuality, you, you get worldly views. And that first survey we did back in 2010, we called it the Captive Christian Survey, because at that time we were only looking at born-again Christians who said that they had had a born-again experience in the past that was still relevant to them today. They believed they were saved by grace, but yes, when you started asking other questions about their doctrine, their theology, they weren't necessarily always giving you biblical ideas, yeah. which is why we went and looked at other surveys, the GSS survey and Barna surveys and LifeWay surveys and all the others to say, was this a one-off? And the answer is no. And so what you find, uh, Walker, is you have individuals that are saved in their heart, but they're not thinking biblically in their head. And mm-hmm. that's why I think they should support what you're doing at American Family Radio, because we just need to teach a whole generation doctrine, just basic Orthodox yeah. Christianity, what's a basic Christian worldview. You know, one thing that my uh, local church here that I go to has been doing the past few months is they've been going back over the basics. And, you know, Kirby, uh, some maybe more mature believers 
hear the basics over again, and I hope this isn't their response, but it could be, you know, I've heard this before, I get it, you know, the Trinity, um, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, well, what, what does it mean to be saved, things like that, those basic questions that most believers, at least, who've been studying God's Word and been discipled, understand the questions, they can spit it off their tongue pretty quickly, but it, it, it really it really helps when pastors, local pastors, and this gets into the solution side of things, Kirby, which you can talk to, it really helps when pastors take set aside a part of their sermon series throughout the year to just cover the basics again, and even maybe just cite back to the basics uh, during uh, throughout the year. That's how we're going to make sure that the body of Christ is properly discipled and, and understands proper doctrine. Well, and again, I think that it's going to be important to even think about the definitions, because one of the other things we surveyed was on the issue of tolerance, and I call that the Princess Bride myth. You know, I remember Princess Bride, you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> and uh, we have this word tolerance, which for those of us that are older, that have gray hair, no hair at all, we recognize that means I may disagree with you. Um, and I will not affirm your view, but I'll certainly give you the right to have that view. Yes. But we ask a very important question. Is it important for uh, me to let people know that I affirm as true their religious beliefs and practices? Well, the bottom line is some of those religious beliefs are just the ones we just talked about. And so today we see that even a quarter, 27% of born-again Christians in that massive survey that we did, um, sort of uh, disagreed with the statement, which you would hope that they would disagree, but the reality is a very significant number agreed with that statement. And so if you're talking about the topic you just addressed, the issue of sexual orientation, transgenderism, gendered uh, issues, as well as whether or not you can be saved by good works or you can be saved by believing in Muhammad or Buddha, uh, you can see that we have people today that say, well, you know, I think the Bible teaches tolerance. Well, properly understood, yes. That's why I now tend to say the Bible teaches civility, the golden rule. We would treat Correct. other people as we'd like to be treated. But a uh, golden rule doesn't mean that we say, oh, yeah, you have your view of truth, and I have my view of truth, and you have your view of ethics, and I have a different view of ethics. That's called postmodernism. Mm. And that's why we need to define terms, because even a pastor saying that we should treat other people with uh, respect and dignity, of everybody's in the congregation shaking their heads saying, and yes, but they're walking out with the wrong view of what that means from a biblical point of view. And how many times, Walker, have you talked about the fact that we have to speak the truth in love, but sometimes we have people that are real good on the love part, but they're not very good on the truth part, and that's something we need to talk about as well. Yeah, to your point, uh, on this other survey you ran on, on what is the meaning of tolerance, you know, to, to your point, much of, of culture believes that tolerance equals acceptance, our tolerance equals affirmation, and that's the farthest thing from the truth. Um, that's why people shake their head at it, but then they they go out and and totally get it get it wrong when it comes to how to handle people that you just fundamentally disagree with. Um, and tolerance yeah, yeah. To, tolerance is really it it goes back to the very founding of this country. Uh, that's why we have a well, fir, we have a First Amendment for that very purpose. But that doesn't mean that we have to capitulate and compromise our values, Kirby. And that's exactly right. And so we believe properly understood tolerance. But just let's again talk about one more application point, because I know you love to do application on the core. And that is, if you believe this view of pluralism, and now you also roll in this view of tolerance, 
and both of those are not biblical ways in which they're defined. What does that do to evangelism? One of our other surveys point out that we have a lot of young people that don't really see the value in evangelism. Now think this through for just a minute. If you are a Christian right now listening to American Family Radio, and you're saying, I'm concerned about the future of missions, I'm concerned about the future of our church, I'm concerned about really even the future of Christian radio, which we're using right now, and the next generation uh, doesn't really see the value in evangelism, because after all, we believe that people can be saved in a lot of different ways, and after all, being a Christian means that you're supposed to just be tolerant, that by that mean I need to affirm everybody's worldview and never actually speak truth into the culture. Hmm. That does not bode well for the future, so it brings us back to the need for parents, and Sunday school teachers, and even pastors, and most importantly maybe pastors, to really hold high the standard of Scripture and the importance of evangelism. And we found from some of the other surveys we've done that uh, a very high percentage of Generation Y and Generation Z, when you ask them about the Great Commission, they don't even know what it is. So Mm -hmm. to point them back to Matthew 28, verses 18 and 20, is just another application point for some of our listeners. Yeah, can't can't forget the basics, Kirby. Uh, if you forget the basics, uh, you, you'll you'll have a warped view of the rest. Kirby Anderson, Point of View Radio. Uh, thanks for coming on, brother, and we'll have you on again. Well, thank you so very much. All right, there you have it. That's Kirby Anderson of Probe Ministries. He's also the host of Point of View Radio Show. So you can uh, hear that on American Family Radio, actually, on some of our stations in the evening. So thanks for Kirby coming on. Um, next segment, <clears throat> I'm going to get to some clips, but um, I'm also going to talk about the um, some of the major issues facing our country. You know, uh, many of the elected officials, politicians, seem to are proclaimed to care about human life. After all, all of these very strenuous COVID-19 measures have been allegedly aimed at protecting human life, right? Slow the spread, less people in the hospital, so on and so forth. Uh, Well, we're going to talk about some of the other issues that are really being overlooked and how lives are being truly harmed by these major issues that aren't being properly addressed in our country. More of that on AFA at the Core after the break. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. 
if it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Every American ought to visit George Washington's Mount Vernon estate south of Washington, D.C. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. We're going to be going to Mount Vernon on one of our spiritual heritage tours coming up in June and September. Wanted to let you know about these tours already because they will fill up quick. So, for all the information, go to the website spiritualheritagetours.com spiritualheritagetours.com We're going to be going to Yorktown, Jamestown, and Williamsburg as well on a separate trip. So, so much rich American history there to be experienced. Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation is a nationally noted historian and he's going to be with us along the way. spiritualheritagetours.com I'm Peter Rosenberger and this is your Caregiver Minute. For every caregiver, guilt remains a huge obstacle standing between us and a measure of peace in our hearts. In the face of overwhelming odds, we put ourselves in often impossible situations and keep doing it armed with little else than love while spending blood, sweat, and treasure. Yet with all that, we allow guilt over things we can't control or maintain to help push ourselves to the breaking point. What would you say to friends doing exactly what you do? Would you criticize them? Heck no. You'd hug them and give them a meal. Furthermore, you'd tell them how amazing they are. Love your neighbor as yourself implies that you love yourself. Loving ourselves doesn't mean narcissism. It means caring for and valuing the extraordinary life that we are and have been given. Today's a great day to release that caregiver guilt and to give ourselves some kindness and grace. This has been your Caregiver Minute with Peter Rosenberger, brought to you by Standing with Hope, a ministry for the wounded and those who care for them. There's more information at standingwithhope.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Hey, if you missed our interview with Kirby Anderson last segment on some of the latest surveys they've been running on uh, biblical worldview uh, questions, you can get that interview on our podcast this afternoon. Just go to AFR.net or download the American Family Radio app and uh, subscribe to the AFA at the Core podcast. Uh, you can do that. Uh, not only can you find the show on the website and the app, but you can also go over to um, the Apple Podcast Store, the Google Podcast Store, or even Spotify and subscribe in those three places to the Core podcast as well. So anything you missed on the show, you can find, we'll have it up and posted this afternoon, and you can go and listen to today's show in its entirety at your convenience. Um, the, the the stories I wanted to get to, um, uh, before I, I get to the topic I mentioned, a tease before the break, I want to play a few clips here. Um, this is this is a, a Kentucky pastor. Um, I don't know the pastor personally. I don't know his church intimately or personally. Um, but nonetheless, this is a pastor in Kentucky, um, so I'm not I'm not vouching for the pastor and his in church. I don't know, I don't know him, but I know that he's providing relief for people in Kentucky uh, as a result of these tragic tornadoes. We also have our our ministry partners, Eight Days of Hope, 
Steve Tiber, they're on the ground there as well, so I don't want to fail to mention that. Uh, but this fellow, this pastor, was interviewed on, on Neil Cavuto, and I have a, I have a point here, uh, but I'm going to play the clip first. Let's listen to clip five. This is a Kentucky pastor by the name of Joel Cawley about how many people he's feeding per day at his church. Right now, we're just trying to keep people warm, trying to keep people fed. Uh, man, Convoy of Hope and uh, Master Chefs has come in and done an amazing job with getting us some supplies to give people uh, some uh, what little bit of comfort they can get right now. I think we're feeding probably close to four to 5,000 people a day all throughout the state. And then we're just trying to give people some relief. And so anything to keep people warm, keep people fed, uh, and to get people a little bit of light uh, uh, before power comes back on. So we're just trying to keep up those efforts and do what we can uh, and assist. So this church, uh, Relevant Church, is in Paducah, Kentucky, which we have a radio station that covers that, by the way. So some of these church members may be listening, uh, but Joel Colley, the pastor there at Relevant Church, is feeding, he said his church is feeding four to 5,000 people a day that were affected. Uh, many of them had family members that died, homes completely destroyed, wiped down to just the slab, the foundation. Um, my point in bringing this up is that who else, what other groups do you see providing relief free of charge to people in need? And I mean, you, you, you look around the world and Christians, not, not Muslims, not just Jews, uh, not people of other religions, many of them uh, other than Christianity, false religions, which I just talked to Kirby Anderson about. But you look around the world, and it is, it is Christian ministries that are providing the vast majority of humanitarian relief around the world without exception. I mean, one of the surveys within the last decade showed that the United States alone exports 85% of missionaries, Christian missionaries around the world. And so, so the, 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 there's so much intolerance out there, true intolerance. True intolerance, and, and this can be expected. God's Word tells us that we will be hated by many. We will be not tolerated by many uh, because of the message that we bring. But there's so much hatred, so much intolerance towards the Christian faith in our world today. And all of those people who had this hatred against the body of Christ fail to understand and grasp that it is the body of Christ that is providing the vast majority of humanitarian relief free of charge around the country and around the world. And what's going on in Kentucky and other parts of that area uh, as we speak is a prime, prime example of what the body of Christ is doing. You're not going to see um, the sa the satanic Groups showing up with 18-wheelers full of food. You're just not going to see it because their belief system does not drive them to help others. And you talk about being inclusive. All of these ministries are, are rebuilding homes, providing food, and not asking a single question about 
whether these people are Christians or not. They're, they're, uh, Eight Days of Hope rebuilds homes for non-believers. They rebuild homes for people who don't even believe in, the, in Christ. Uh, and that is the beautiful thing that, uh, that God's Word compels us to do to help others. So uh, it is the Christian faith that is driving the vast majority of humanitarian relief all around the world. So do not forget that uh, the next time somebody out there wants to bash Christianity. Um, jumping into some of the other topics today, um, there, there's one that I came across uh, that, that actually was released back in November, and that is the number of drug overdose deaths in the United States. You know, if we put as much attention as a country into the opioid pam- epidemic as we've put into this 700 days to slow the spread, this is from our own CDC. Drug overdose deaths top 100,000 annually for the first time ever. Driven by fentanyl, which is an illicit drug, the CDC data shows more than 100,000 people died of drug overdoses in the U.S. during the 12-month period ending April 2021 according to the provisional data published Wednesday by the U.S. Center for Disease Control. I would argue, and I believe the studies will show this out or or prove this, some of this, maybe not all, some of this drug overdose is being driven by the, the mental and emotional state that people have been drug into, all in the name of COVID-19 prevention. I mean, th- this, is, this is serious stuff that we don't need to take lightly. We all probably know someone or know of someone who has overdosed, not just in the last 12 months, but in our life. And when you do what our government leaders did and you shut down a, com- a complete economy, except for the big box stores, by the way, You shut down mom-and-pop businesses. Not only do you shut them down for two weeks, but you recommend or you force them to be shut down for months after that. Remember, only in certain states did things open back up immediately. Then the federal government comes in, and the federal government pays those mom-and-pop businesses, their workers, or who their former workers, they pay them to sit on the couch. For 10 to 12 months, remember that? People were getting eight to $900 a week to sit at home and play video games. So the mom-and-pop businesses could not get workers back to fulfill orders and provide goods and services, which decimated the mom-and-pop businesses. And many of the people um, that were affected by this completely lost the, they, 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 they built these businesses from the ground up and they got completely destroyed because politicians made horrible decisions that detrimentally affected their lives. So that's one issue uh, not to be overlooked. The other one is <clears throat> this uh, the story that's not a story now, but it's going to be a story. Um, and that is food, food scarcity. And I'm not trying to fearmonger here or, you know, raise alarm bells for no reason. 
Uh, but if you know farmers, talk to them about this, all right? Don't take my word for it. I talked to a farmer uh, about a month ago, about three weeks ago, and he paid, last year he paid $600,000 for all of his inputs. And for business persons out there, farmers, they know what I'm talking about. All the materials, all the supplies, everything needed to get all of your your uh, your your uh, crops planted, all right, your fertilizers, your seeds, everything you need to get things going so that in X amount of months you can harvest and sell all that uh, food to pay all your bills and to make uh, hopefully make some profit. He paid $600,000 last year for all of his inputs. This year, heading into 2022, he had to pay $2 million for the same amount, the same quantity of inputs. So do the math there. More than double, almost triple what he paid uh, last year. So where is he going to make up that money on the latter end? Uh, on his outputs? Who knows? Will he make up the money on his outputs? I don't know. We'll just have to see. Uh, but if he does, the costs are going to have to go up down the line, meaning when it hits the table <laughs> for you to eat it, uh, the, the, the costs are going to have to be up there as well. So, uh, But this story is out of, uh, out of MSN.com. And it says amid drought, conflict, and rocketing prices, a global food crisis could be approaching, top expert warns. And this is, this is primarily um, going to affect lower-income countries, less developed countries that don't have access to a lot of food um, to begin with, even when, when, environment, when the environment is normal. Uh, one of the major issues here is the fertilizer. Uh, the synthetic fertilizer used to uh, grow all the crops is is out the roof as far as the price goes. Um, so, so I mentioned those two stories because, you know, th- there are so many issues in our world that d- genuinely uh, and directly affect the health and well-being of people. But the politicians only focus on certain areas. And that's why it's so disingenuous for the politicians to say that they care about human life and that if you don't get the shot, then you're killing people. And then they tell people who don't have the COVID-19 shot that they're not going to treat you if you come to the emergency room because you're unvaccinated. And then I'm reading stories about companies, including Kroger, that's going to start taxing their employees that are unvaccinated. They're going to start tacking on and deducting more money from their paycheck because they're unvaccinated even though the vaccinated are the ones getting sick right now. But we can't talk about that. But you've got these major corporations. You've got all the politicians and the policymakers all going on TV with their talking heads, and they're going, we care about life. We just want to protect people. Okay, well, why don't we shut down the southern border where all this fentanyl is coming in from? How about we shut down this opioid issue and and hit it as hard as we're hitting this pandemic and save some lives from from suffering and from dying from overdoses how about we 
uh, stop shutting down mom and pop businesses and causing people to go into depression and losing their livelihood. How about we stop that? And so the next time you hear the politicians claim that they care about human life, and meanwhile, we're killing babies, by the way. Totally separate topic, but it all folds in together. Meanwhile, uh, the same politicians that claim to care about human life, claim to be wanting to, quote, protect people in the name of COVID-19, uh, they're fine with, you know, killing babies in the womb. As a matter of fact, I played the clip last week of Amy Klobuchar, the Democrat, saying that, yeah, Congress, we're open to, we're open to cementing this right to kill babies that's no right at all in legislation. We're open to that. We're open to, you know, passing some kind of federal law that ensures that people can still kill babies if they want to kill babies. And so it really, really discredits completely the argument that the, that the policymakers and the politicians and the people in the media care about human life, that they care about human life. Came across this other story talking about devaluing human life. This rapper out in Los Angeles got is indicted over uh, shooting his girlfriend in the SUV. They were driving down the road last year, in June of last year. And he just started calling her expletives and shooting at her, some rapper, And um, he's facing charges now, but he tries to proclaim the name of God in his defense. After he viciously shot his girlfriend in the leg multiple times, then lied about it, now he's indicted by the Los Angeles Police Department. But you, you look at the lyrics of these rappers in Hollywood and across the country, these secular, godless rap songs... All they do in these rap songs is they sexualize women as if they're objects, as if all they're good for is fulfilling the man's desires. Why don't we speak out against that and that devaluing of human life? We'll be back next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.